welcome once again to the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. I'm your announcer, Dr. Jeremy White, in Seattle, Washington, the hub of the coronavirus in the United States. And in just a moment, we'll be joined by our co-host, Catherine Ironwood of LuckyMojo.com in Forestville, California, and Conjurman Ali of TheConjurman.com in Mission Viejo, California. This week, we'll be joined by a special guest from the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, me! And I'm bringing us the, today's topic on herbs and roots uh, uh, in bold folk magic. So uh, today we will take your calls and offer advice to address and ameliorate and remediate your questions and problems about love, money, career, spiritual protection using traditional African American folk magic practices of voodoo, conjure, root work as divined and prescribed by the greatest spiritual voodooists of our time. You'll learn a lot just by listening, but if you're selected from among those who have signed up at the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and called into the show, then you'll be on the air and receive a free consultation. We'll be going to just the phone to the phones in just a moment, but we're going to catch up with our coronavirus-free hosts, Miss Cat and Conjurman Ali. <laughs> How are you guys today? <laughs> We're, I'm just fine. I am. I am calling in from the state of quarantine. Um, well, I haven't left the house in long enough that I officially have cabin fever. But being 72 years old, I am following the instructions of the CDC and my good doctor friend, Dr. Jeremy, and my good doctor daughter, Dr. Althea Greenstone, all of whom are telling me to stay home, don't go out, don't do anything, (laughs) just work on books and web pages, and be glad you're alive. So that's what I've been doing. I look outside at the beautiful camellias blooming, and then I wait for everyone to leave the property because they're still working at the Lucky Mojo, even though we have no walk-in shop customers. And um, and then when they go home, I have a, an hour or two, I can go out and look at the beautiful camellias and walk around. That's it for me, folks. It's, um, it's quite an interesting change. Um, it's like permanent snow days or something. I, I, mm-hmm. <laughs> like I'm... I'm locked up in here. But on the other hand, I have a very active mind. And of course, I have driven my dear husband crazy by coming up with a whole nother two-month project for him and me to do, (laughs) um, having to do with Missionary Independent uh, Spiritual Church, the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches, and um, things like that. I guess not having these festivals that I was doing every year, putting on every year in May. Um, now I'm I kind of, you know, idle hands make work for the devil. And so I've come up with some ways to do some more outreach via the Internet um, because I can't actually do outreach um, in person. And um, speaking of in person, 
I did schedule an apprenticeship. So anyone who hears this who is a student of mine, um, a graduate who was intending to come to the apprenticeship, it is scheduled from May 22nd to May 26th. And people are beginning to phone up and like, you know, whoa, 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 are you going to do it or not? And my answer is I don't have an answer yet. May 22nd -hmm. to 26th is a long way out. If on May 1st we are still in coronavirus lockdown mode, I will postpone that apprenticeship. But I feel it's a little premature to do it now. So for those of you who are intending to come, it's a free apprenticeship. And, um, you know, I do these every spring and and often again in the fall. Um, If you uh, want to know the latest, keep up to date by going to the forum at forum.luckymojo.com. And both in the private student group, I'll be posting messages, and I'll also post those messages for the public as well, um, letting people know. Not that the public is not invited to these apprentices, but all my students would need to know about it. And that's a quick way to find out without logging in. So um, it's really um, quite a thing. And I'm I'm really sorry that we're in a... um, um, chaotic mode. As far as Mm. uh, coronavirus goes, I just want to tell everybody, um, please um, follow the Johns Hopkins University CSSE interactive coronavirus map, or go to Worldometers, that's Worldometer, with an S on the L, Worldometers, or Worldometers.info slash coronavirus. And their numbers are close. They have different types of statistical collection methods and uh, different ways of displaying those met- uh, those statistics, but they're very useful. Both of them are excellent. And um, so that's it for that. I, I really, if I said much more other than that, did you all see Bernie Sanders? I guess I will say that. Did you all see Bernie oh, the Sanders fireside, get the fireside, the fireside chat? Yeah. Oh God, I love that. Um, it was. I loved it too. It's like he's the president de facto, or you know, I mean, it's like he's actually acting like a president. He's doing what mm-hmm. a president should do. And the clown boy and out there is, um, you know, Christ. I just can't even. And oh, so, yeah. um, and and not to. I mean, and then the supposed lead candidate Biden. I mean, who knows what island he's on. But um, in any case, Bernie Sanders, uh, if, you, if you want to know about what's happening with coronavirus, just tune into the Bernie Sanders um, feed because he's got all the answers. He's got all the suggestions. And also, he's not, you know, he's telling you this is why we needed Medicare for all, right? Medicare for all, coronavirus, mm-hmm. got it? Anybody mm-hmm. anybody not picking up on that message right now? I hope all so. Right. Once that little lying motherfucker um, Trump said, oh, yes, and I've just spoken to the insurance companies, and all your coronavirus treatment will be free. And then, oh, of course, yeah. now that's a clip, and it goes out all over the news broadcast, right? And then he goes, um, well, oops, I misspoke. That was supposed to be your coronavirus tests will be free. But we don't have any tests, so we're giving you a big, fat pile of free nothing, right? Oh, God. Anyway, he's he's such a joke. And so Bernie Sanders is literally stepping into the breach and um, giving people information, telling them, um, you know, 
please vote for a sensible human being as president. That's all That's I true. can say. Whew. How are you doing, Ollie? I'm I'm doing well. I got to be honest with you. I love that fireside chat. I thought it was so great. There's something. I mean, one of the things that was quite remarkable about Sanders as a as a candidate, about Bernie as a candidate, is just how down to earth he is. And he's a very he's very Virgo. You can you, mm-hmm. you can definitely see it come through. I mean, he's he that fireside chat. He was literally in his living room, <laughs> yeah. in the fireplace that he himself turned, like like. There's something very. When you compare gold toilets on one end versus sand, I mean it's, the the difference couldn't be more stark. Did, but I think did, it's, hold it's, on, Ollie. Did you, Ollie? Did you see the reverse photo shot of what that living room looked like? Yes, I did. Uh, and then there was, was Jane on the couch. I loved right? it. And the Norman Rockwell print on the hall wall. It was it was <laughs> classic. And this, after all those jokers say, "Oh, he's a millionaire and lives in a mansion." Oh God! Well, yeah, it was one of those things that you know. proved proved them proved them as true liars. But one one yeah. thing that I think is going to be interesting for future generations that are listening to us as you know in the archives, if you will, we're taught we're coming to you in March fifteenth, uh, and I think in in the years to come, the months to come, the years to come, there's going to be an there's going to be a sort of social autopsy or an investigation looking at how bad things got and how much of it was a result of government mismanagement, but the failures mm-hmm. of the people in charge, not listening to the experts, not listening to the doctors, not listening to the health professionals and how it got to where even today, let's say it gets better from today on. It got as bad as it did in, in uh, March 15th because of how bad we failed along the way and how mm-hmm. good it could have been had we had Medicare for all from the get go. Uh, so this mm-hmm. is this is one of those moments where you know people are going to write histories about this and dissertations you know years from now going wow that was mm-hmm. that was a catastrophic mm-hmm. failure mm-hmm. and it and it really mm-hmm. was and for those of us that are that are root workers I think we we have a sort of obligation a moral and ethical obligation because we are members of a community to to educate to inform to let people know that hey this is a time where we should be turning to medical professionals. Please don't good vibes this away. Like this isn't a, mm-hmm. this isn't like oh we're gonna sage our house and we'll all be fine. You know, actually wash your hands. Don't give in to conspiracy thinking. <laughs> don't you know? Don't fall for for kind of the, the 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 oh we'll all be fine. Let's go to a pub together. Don't do that, right? So I think mm-hmm. root workers in particular don't just light your candles. Also use your voices. Say something like hey. This is the time for a community to come together to make sure that the elderly are taken care of, those that who have, uh, uh, you know, immune systems are compromised, that they're taken care of, that even if we as individuals might be okay, that we ensure that we don't carry the virus to people who might not be okay. So be a little aware, think communally, don't think selfishly, and, and hopefully that will help get us through. So just a little uh, PSA there. Yeah, thank you. It's absolutely true. And, um, you know, he he the the Trump message was so garbled and so wrong oh, yeah. and so um, it was just horrible. And um, like I said, watch Johns Hopkins University and watch uh, Worldometers for facts. And um, mm. you can follow. There's a bunch of other people. I'm going to give a shout out to a guy who never is a um, in our chat room, and I don't think he even listens to the show. His name is Marcus Coydog Werner. Oh, and Marcus is with a K. He is um, one of these people like me who's just 
pulling up different sources and um, mm. doing very, very well, and um, posting them. And uh, yeah, he's he's a good guy, Marcus Koi Dog Werner. I met him uh, at Facebook via um, William Stickevers. Um, and that brings me to my next little just thing, and then we'll be done with announcing about our coronavirus news of the day. Um, as William Stickever said, when he was on our show um, earlier, and uh, maybe Shiva can put a link through to that older show, um, it no, it's Koi Dog. Sorry, I've got to correct him. It's Koi, C-O-Y, like Coyote, dash, hmm. dog. He's It's like a Koi Dog. You know, it's like a... a Maybe mm. koi dog may be one word. It's a it's like a coyote dog hybrid. Um, anyway, yeah, koi dog. Um, anyway, uh, we talked with William Stickovers, and he predicted this. And we actually pulled out from the chat log of the older show where he told us, and Ollie and I and William Stickovers said, um, this is going to be very very bad. And William mm-hmm. actually went on with, yes, the last time this particular series of conjunctions happened, we had the downfall of the Mongol Empire and the Black Death. Do you remember that show, Ali? I do. Though the the history is <laughs> slightly uh, a bit off, but yes, I do remember it. Yeah. Well, it we have the text from the chat, and he, he goes on about um, the Black Death, the downfall of the Mongol Empire. Mm-hmm. He has, um, he says, he, there was a few other things um, that, that happened during this time frame. And um, it was right there, and we all talked about it with him. And here it is. And he mm-hmm. himself had uh, was a little shocked because he was he was like hey this is really really bad and we might have this plague but and then when the plague happened he kind of went oh gosh and here's the plague as well <laughs> so mm. um uh he will be our guest next week um on the 22nd and this is the day after the ingress of um the sun into aries which is the beginning mm-hmm. of the zodiacal new year for mm-hmm. the world. And he's going to be talking about this some more. So I just wanted to say that if you follow William, you'll find some amazing uh, stuff. Now, he goes a little far right compared to me. I'm a little far left compared to him. But we do know the astrology of it together, and I think you agree on the astrology of it, Ali. Oh, certainly. I mean, I think even far before the show, back in January, you and I were talking about this. Um, yes. And yep. and we warned very clearly, like, look, this is coming up. And it's all leading up to December with the yes. great conjunction. So we, we've seen this kind of long kind of astrological right. arc, if you will. And I think we talked about in January that this is this is the, I mean, we, we gave it the name The Year of the Underworld, right? The, the, not That's only right, The Year of the Underworld. Death, That's right. That'll That's come right. due, which we're seeing in the terms of the markets. I mean, it's not just that the markets have gone wrong. It's that the very things that we've been in debt, like the things we owe as a society, a broken system, a failed economic system, a failed healthcare system, those things are now coming, like the payments due. It's like, oh, it's right in our face. But also the disease yeah. itself is believed to originated from bats to a different animal and then to humans. So there's this kind yeah. of interesting connection here that we all saw way back in January. Yeah, yeah, the bats, the bats being um, animals of the caves and the underworld, that is all true. And actually, if I remember right, when we first talked about this was in fall, 
And then we yeah. talk. We've, we've yeah. mentioned this a number of times that it was coming. I mean, we should get a little yeah, a little gold star on our foreheads because we predicted this. And in the discussion with William, um, I'm not sure when that was um, that we um, that we had our um, our show I with him when we did it before. January. January 26th. He he just posted yeah. it. January 26th was yeah, when we did that January. show. Yeah. And so we saw this coming and um it's it's here and so I'm not trying to, you know, pat us on the back and say, Hey, we're great astrologers. I think you'd have to be a pretty much a dead in the water astrologer not to predict this. But I'm gonna take mm-hmm. a moment here and I, I know we're we're running over, but I really do want to talk about this. We'll just do one client this this time and we'll just run mm-hmm. a little long. Um I have had a a beef with what I call the daily guidance astrologers for a long time. This Mm, is one reason that that William and I are good friends, even though politically we are just like, you know, tearing at each other. But astrologically we agree, and you and I agree, and he Mm -hmm. and you agree, that mundane astrology is a topic in and of itself, which is astrology of world events. But Mm -hmm. even natal astrology... Um, can deal with this by going into history, both the history of the person yeah. and um, and then looking for repetition of cycles. And I wrote a little essay about it. I'm not going to go into it here, but I, I did write an essay about what I call paired event astrology. And this is for all the astrologers who listen to this show, and there are quite a few. Canned mm-hmm. readings were invented around 1900 by Alfred F. Seward, and um, they consisted of breaking down the chart into paired events such as planet sign, planet mm-hmm. aspect planet, mm-hmm. and planet house, right? Mm-hmm. And once you have a pair like that, two, two things, you can write a paragraph about it, and then you can assemble a chart based on all those paragraphs. But you cannot look at what are called stelliums, which are three planets at a time, or things that cross over two signs, or that involve like five planets aspecting three other planets from two different houses, right? You can't do that when you uh, reduce everything to these little bracketed pairs. But paired um, aspects and paired um, signs and paired um, houses became the way to make these can charts. Um, In the 30s, a man named Robert Nelson Mm -hmm. um, took this even farther than Alfred Seward had, and he created something called the tomorrow scope and this was a way of predicting all of the events for the year in paired bits and then doing a person's chart and then you could just look at it and go oh that hooks up and he had a check sheet and he would just go this 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 and this will affect your chart because i have your chart in my hand and you could get these tomorrow scopes by mail they were very good but they didn't take into account these very large pileups of of planets that sometimes last for a long time, uh, called mm-hmm. stelliums. And some stelliums are brief, too, I should say. But what happened with that, after um, Seward, who was pretty much the guy who invented sun sign astrology, after Seward invented sun sign astrology, and then Linda Goodman acknowledged him as her mentor, um, mm-hmm. in the 70s came out with the book Sun Sign Astrology, and people began to do what they began to call daily meditation astrology. This had started mm-hmm. in the 40s with people like Sidney Omar and, and uh, Zolar, Bruce King Zolar, yep. all of these people who had these, you know, Carol Ryder, they all had these different things, and they would tell you what was happening in the daily transits. But that 
type of feel-good astrology, I call it feel-good meditational guide astrology, is fine. There's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with it. The problem is that when the um, outer planets were discovered, and particularly when Pluto was discovered in 1930, people didn't know how to interpret them because they would go, well, this thing it moves so slow and it's so dismal and dark. And so they would say they were, quote, generational because, you know, mm-hmm. thousands of people would have these. And once they pushed them off by saying these are generational, then they they didn't have to calculate them into the daily guidance uh, routines mm-hmm. that they were producing. And then they kind of forgot about them. And so what Ollie and William and I and Deacon Millet and some of these older astrologer types who either work with an older, um, you know, type of astrology who are older and remember how it used to be, mm-hmm. we understand that when these big pileups happen, that these are, quote, generational. But now look at it. What is coronavirus affecting? People over 65. Who are those? The so-called yeah. baby boomer generation. Hey, it was true. Our Pluto is coming due, right? We all have Pluto in the same place. We all have Uranus in the same place. We all have Neptune in the same place. And now, boom. Okay? So, when a a, a, um, a virus or a bacterial disease strikes a generation, it's because of those generational things. And modern yeah. astrologers don't know about it. I know I'm preaching to the choir when I'm talking to you, Ali. But just say no, amen, this is, okay? You're, you're absolutely, you couldn't be more right. And I remember, uh, particularly in, in the 90s, it's like every form of astrology you went to was this type of astrology. And mm-hmm. it's, it is feel good. You are, you're the, I mean, I love that you call it that because that's exactly what the purpose is. It was very psychoanalytic. It was very like, let me tell you about you mm-hmm. and your personality. And that can be reaffirming and that can be great. And it does feel good. Who doesn't like to be told about themselves, right? It's, it's mm-hmm. like, oh, and you're actually really generous and your day's going to be great. And if you meditate, and it's like, all right, all right. But what it lacks is the predictive component that makes astrology extremely accurate of all the divination systems. I mean, there's a reason why it's the oldest and the one that still has survived to this very day is because it's accurate. It's very, very mm-hmm. accurate. Uh, and so it loses that component of that predictiveness. Uh, it focuses on the individual and not on society and not as, uh, at people and not what's going on around the world. And so mundane astrology, as with the rise of sun sign astrology, mundane astrology really fell out of favor. There was a, people weren't practicing it. People weren't, you know, doing this kind of more intense, like, okay, what's the, what's the nation going to look like? Uh, it was it was very different. It, there was a there was a psychoanalytic component or a psychological component mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. really took charge, and and you're right to pinpoint that. Um, but there are there are those of us that work with old systems and uh, and older methods, and and hopefully you know we're seeing a resurgence in mundane astrology, which started in the 2000s. Also, I think Zoller, um, um, you know, his work, uh, Chris Brennan, these kind of these people kind of uh, started once more mm-hmm. reintroducing some of this stuff. So we're seeing a pickup. So fingers crossed that maybe mm-hmm. what'll come out of 2020 is a renewed interest in mundane astrology and the old way mm-hmm. of astrology. Yeah. Well, the thing is, you cannot go to a computer algorithm yeah. um, and and expect to get anything but pairs. And that is, I mean, you could, if someone wanted to program 26,000 years worth of aspects, <laughs> right? they could. But 
what happens is basically they by by reducing the outer three planets to generational, they're only mm-hmm. programming for themselves twenty nine years of repetition, yeah. one Saturn cycle, right? One Saturn they're cycle. They're not exactly. looking. You see what I'm getting at? They have mm-hmm. their, their astrology is not the real deal and so anyway that's what i have to say and it 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 just is something i had to really throw out as to why i'm expecting people who are astrologers who listen to the show to either you know go oh is that what's wrong and maybe get with it or maybe they'll just go oh cat you're so old fuddy-duddy but you know (laughs) there's something wrong with with modern astrology as it's called modern it's i don't know whatever you want to call it 20th century astrology. There was something wrong with 20th century astrology. It's not, mm-hmm. um, it's not the astrologer's fault because even up until when I was learning in the 60s and 70s, when I was first practicing professionally, I started practicing in the 60s. Uh, we still know about mundane astrology. But yeah. I think now you go to those modern books. No one wants to look up the old books. No one wants to read yeah. them. No one wants to read about the Black Death. Why should they want to read about the Black Death? You know. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you go back, and one of the things that even Dell Horoscope magazine, you know, on the newsstands used to say, let's look at these crises in the past and cast a chart using the outer planets as part of it and see if we can get a more historical, uh, scientific, you might call it what, what Max Heindel used to call simplified scientific astrology, um, a fix on it by doing some case studies backwards, right? Assassinations mm. of kings, assassinations yeah. of presidents, and look at those charts and see what do they have in common. Nobody does that anymore. They just don't. They just go, mm-hmm. oh, well... Are Venus and Mars all right tonight? You know, it's like whatever. They don't, you know. So, all right. Phew. Okay. So next week we're going to have William on. We're going to talk about this some more in terms of COVID-19. And we're also going to talk about the stocks, the bonds, Mm. the oil prices, the price of um, commodities, including gold Mm. and and the price of cryptocurrency. That's going to be our mm. topic. And the astrology of that. Not just like, we're not mm. just going to rant about politics. We're going to talk about how astrology that is. But I had to get it in right now because I want to, I just got to tell you, this has been driving me nuts for two weeks. Mm. I've got, I got cabin fever. I'm sitting in here going, what's wrong with these <laughs> astrologers? I'm not going to name any names. I'm not going to name any names. I'm a very polite person. But there are some well-known astrologers who didn't see this coming. Yeah. And yeah. that makes them poor prophets. Mm. Uh, prophets Shit. meaning prognosticators. They're poor prognosticators. Mm. All right. Well, gee whiz. All right. Let's bring in our guest, <laughs> who's not an astrologer as far as I know. Um, we're going to bring in our guest, and this is going to be Jeremy Weiss, who is announcing today for his first day, and he gets to be a guest at the same time. So welcome to our show as a guest, Jeremy Weiss. Well, thank you. Thank you. It's nice to be here, and thank you. It's good to, good to hear your voice, Conjurmentally. Yep. We're all still alive, Welcome. Buddy. Glad to have you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sorry to go off topic, uh, uh, because I mean, the topic that we've got scheduled today is about roots and uh, and herbs, and it's very interesting. But I can't help but also just point out that the coronavirus, you know, does remind me is very analogous to a Jewish demon of contamination called Bat Melech, the evil spirit oh, yeah. of uncleanliness, and the treatment for that evil demon, Bat Melech, is, of course, 
what? To wash your hands. Right, that's right. Wash your hands <laughs> seven times a day and not touch your face because bot malice can get into your eyes. And that's how you can, and it can also get into contaminated food. You should never leave your water uncovered overnight or leave uh, garlic or onions or unpeeled eggs out uh, overnight because uh, botanmelech can rest upon them. And um, uh, this, uh, demon of contam- this is a demon of contamination, what we've got going on right now. The treatment's the same. Wash your wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Wow, um, that's amazing. You said also never leave water or cut onions uncovered, or cut fruit. Yeah, onions, right? garlic. Um, uh, you should not leave them uncovered. Water. Uh, if you have a glass of water, you should put a, a, a top over it. So. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, so that nothing gets into it, because you wouldn't want botmelic to get into it, and then for you to ingest botmelic, uh, the, the, then you have to undergo an exorcism. But um, according to um, the Talmud, which contains a, a spell of uh, um, washing your hands destroys and dislodges these spirits. And there are seven occasions which, uh, in the Jewish tradition which, which require ritual hand washing. And the most important is when you get up in the morning. Um, but you're supposed to be washing your hands uh, seven times a day. And you do not wa- uh, touch your eyes, ears, nose, or mouth with unwashed hands. That's a command. It comes from Talmud Shabbat 109a. Oh my gosh! Can you can you put that in to the chat log by any chance? Oh um, yeah, the the the, Tal- the Talmudic uh, thing. But um, uh, so so do not uh, touch your hands. Your excuse me, touch, not touch your eyes, your nose. What was that? Eyes, ears, nose, or mouth with unwashed hands. Mm-hmm. That is a a Jewish religious uh, magical tradition. Uh, that we do not do that. So hand washing. So, you know, it's funny because Jews always get this funny reputation for being OCD and compulsive about washing their hands. <laughs> I mean, we're always told that, you know, you're so germaphobic, you know, you hate contamination. But um, it's interesting that there is this um, demon. The Jews perceive that there is a demon of uncleanliness. I've got to ask Ali now, um, is there such an, an, an analogous demon in Arabic tradition? Oh, absolutely. Um, the, the jinn in particular are believed to, uh, one of their resting places is in places of filth. So toilets, hmm. uh, public mm-hmm. toilets in particular, are considered to be a place in which certain jinn will reside. Um, and like the Jewish practice, and probably drawn from the older Jewish practice, to be a historian of religion here, um, the, a lot of sort of cleansing rites are literal cleansing rites. Washing of the mm-hmm. hands, washing of the face, washing of the body. In fact, the ritual ablution that's done before Muslims do their formal prayer involves the washing of the hands, the washing of the face, mm-hmm. the mouth, and the nose. Uh, mm-hmm. are the, the kind of orifices that are that are cleansed, uh, and therefore you're placed in a sort of state of ritual clear, uh, purity mm-hmm. that you go on and perform uh, your prayers. But it is deeply tied to this idea that that the spiritual filth is literal filth as well. 
Right, right. This is this is so fascinating to me. Um, uh, you know, I, I'm sorry, I just got to jump in here. You know, the Christians, you know, got some good Jewish stuff, but they forgot that part. <laughs> so they, I'm sorry, it's a joke. It's an old joke. Jeremy's gonna get. So they had to hire Jewish doctors. Okay, sorry, just a joke, bad joke. But also historically accurate. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Okay, sorry about that. The reason the medieval doctors were Jewish. Yeah, right. Wash your hands, wash your hands. Okay. (laughs) All right. All right. Well, this brings us to our actual topic, which is about herbs and roots in worldwide folklore. We do most of our shows are on hoodoo, as you know. And um, this show is, you know, the the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour. But we have a lot of um, friends, colleagues, and um, also publications that Lucky Mojo and colleagues have put out um, that draw on worldwide practices of folk magic. Some of these are found in hoodoo. They came from Africa originally, and they stayed in hoodoo um, through the era of slavery and emancipation, or they may have come into hoodoo after emancipation through contact with other cultural groups, such as Jewish pharmacists and doctors or um, Chinese restaurant owners and shopkeepers or whatever it may be. So hoodoo has taken in a few um, other forms that did not come from Africa. So modern hoodoo, which I would say dates from after um, the Civil War, basically from after the when the Great Northern Migration started around World War One, hoodoo began to evolve and, and become um, a bit different, just in the same way that um, African-American musical instruments, they brought over the banjo, but then they added the guitar, which came from Spain. And then they added the, you know, whatever, the accordion down there in Louisiana, and that came from Germany. So, uh, and the trumpet and so forth, So which also were European instruments. So, the idea that um, hoodoo is static is not true, but we're going to now talk about some of these other worldwide sources, and in particular, we're going to talk about herbs. So I'm going to kick this off um, with just a very simple one. This is from a book called North Asian Magic by David Borgi Shi, and he's a friend of ours. We know him well. And this book was published by Yippee, the Ironwood Institution for the Preservation and Popularization of Indigenous Ethnomagicology. And Yippee publishes kind of all the other books that aren't about hoodoo. They're, they're the books that are about um, other cultures. And so I'm just going to give you a recipe for smudging. Now, we know what smudging is. In America, most people smudge with sage, and many people think of that as Native American, but that's kind of a a mistake in a way. The uh, smudging with sage actually in uh, America was originally a different plant called Artemisia, otherwise known as desert sage. And it's really ask you about that. Yeah, it's related to mugwort, wormwood and southern wood, and it's an artemisia. But both sage and desert sage have one thing in common. They contain um, bioactive chemicals, phytochemicals in them, called thujones. And thujones come from the name thuja, which is the yew tree. And thujones are found in many plants mm-hmm. um, that have a resinous quality to them, including juniper has thujones in it, regular sage, desert sage, and so forth. So here is a recipe from Mongolia. And 
North Asia generally. And this is written by David Shee, and I'm just going to read it. Um, he, he says, perhaps the most well-known and most commonly practiced form of cleansing is smudging, a practice that is found to exist all around the world. In North Asia, dried whole sprigs of wild juniper are almost always the smudge of choice. So juniper has these thujones. So smudging often has the, the basis of these thujones. Then he says, other plants in cleansing smudges include sage, which they would have got by importation, thyme, which also contains thujones and is related to sage, and fir, which is related to juniper. Um, although incense can be used in absence of the above plants, juniper and fir smoke are considered the most effective in North Asia. Mm. And um, he says, to go on, to put this in the North Asian context, one must use wild juniper sprigs with needles that are wild-crafted and not cultivated by human hands, which would remove some of the cleansing properties of the plant. And fur can only be wild-crafted by an initiated shaman. Daily smudging, um, which is called ariulga, consists of lighting a small sprig of one's chosen plant, typically juniper, and passing the sprig around the body three times clockwise, allowing the smoke to bathe the face, especially the third eye and crown chakras. Doing this ariulga every morning after waking up will both clear the energy patterns and cultivate spiritual enemy, me, energy. Before a larger ritual or working, a longer areolga smudging process takes place in which the smoking plant is passed all around the body with special focus on areas that are seen to be especially unclean and polluted. So what we find here is something that I have found quite often in studying worldwide folk magic. The mm-hmm. plant is a local plant, but yeah. substitutions such as sage are not local plants which have become famous elsewhere. So those of you who say, oh, I can't get any sage, well, you might find somebody's yard and a juniper, those decorative ornamental junipers that people plant in pairs in front of their doors, grab one of those. It's wild-crafted, right? And with the needles on, you can smudge with that. That would be the Mongolian or Manchurian uh, way of doing the exact same smudging. Okay, I'm going to turn this over to Jeremy. You come up with one, Jeremy. Oh, well, I, I was going to continue on a little bit about um, uh, uh, artemisia um, a, a little bit. I, I, I found that, you know, you're talking about smudging and how it's used in smudging, and that is uh, protection. And I looked up a little bit about artemisia in some of the, the ancient Jewish folk magic um, um formulas as well. And it's interesting to me that uh, it still uh, comes across as a protective urban root in, in numerous Jewish spells as well. Um, uh, and, and, and spells that are not necessarily uh, like cleansing spells, but even things they use Artemisia if they wanted to destroy a natural barrier, like a, a mountain or something like that. You, it's part of the, you use that as part of the process of, of, of creating an amulet that will allow you to overcome natural barriers. And so, wow. uh, yeah, isn't that neat? You, it's, 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 it's not just literal, but figured, uh, 
it's not just literal, but figurative as well. Yes, there's another formula to call on the angelic names using a silver plate and Artemisia to kill uh, mm. as far as a Jewish spell. So it's, again, a very powerful uh, root um, uh, used over and over for, uh, I would say, like uh, barriers. I have another formula where it's used to depose an authority or remove a king. So wow. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, so um, wow. Uh, so this is for overcoming barriers or creating barriers? Both. 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 And, ah, okay. And, I got it. Yeah, and okay. so I think, I think it's interesting that it, you're saying that it was used for smudging because smudging is – is essentially an exorcism of a of a place, right? To chase mm-hmm, mm-hmm. bad spirits out. So it's a protective route, I guess. And wow. is, that, is that way in voodoo as well, mostly? Yeah. Well, Artemisia is used um, also in um, hoodoo uh, for its psychic um, properties. Um, it is, um, besides containing thujones, uh, thujones, I, I need to explain here, are related to um, cannabinoids, and they um, have a similar kind of chemical formula, and they kind of do similar psychotropic things. And so mm-hmm. some people... Some people will um, inhale artemisia, smoke mugwort or whatever, and they will have, you know, visions of a mild sort. We're not talking knock you out on your back for six hours LSD, but we're talking about, oh, a little loosey-goosey, wacky, you know. And um, But Something unfortunately, like they all, uh, unfortunately, they also have the effect on some people of creating panic. But so does marijuana mm-hmm. as well. And so uh, be cautious with the use of artemisia when you inhale a lot of it. But I think what's happening is in using it in smudging, you're sort of removing yourself from it. You're, you're breathing a little of it, but not a lot. Um, and so that's a, it's just one of those things. It's a, it's a psychoactive. And I have to say that a lot of the things that are worldwide folklore ha- are psychoactive in some way. Now, mm. I talk since we were on smudging, I'm going to um, ask Ali um, to talk about the most famous Middle Eastern smudge, which is aspond or harmal. Can you tell us a little mm. bit about that? That's a, a plant not used in hoodoo, but we sell it in our shop because enough people want it. Oh, yeah. It's, it's part of worldwide folklore in the sense that it's spread as, as Islam has spread. So you find people from North Africa, people from Indonesia, all using it. Aspond or, mm-hmm. or Syrian rue or wild rue. Um, mm-hmm. is, is also called harmal, which is the Arabic name for it. Esfand is the Persian name for it. Uh, and it's burnt as an incense. The seeds are burnt usually on some type of sieve. Uh, sometimes uh, you can find them uh, on some type of sensor or thurible. Uh, and even in sort of really quick ways, we've seen Esfand burned on aluminum foil. The aluminum mm-hmm. foil just placed right onto the heat and the seeds are sprinkled on there. Uh, and if the aluminum foil kind of catches fire, you're supposed to blow it out. And people try to read the, the aluminum foil as it burns. And the incense hmm. is used to uh, smoke out the evil eye. It also has an effect on driving out gin. It's considered mm-hmm. to be one of a handful of gin plants that exist in the world that are associated with the realms of the gin. And so people use harmal for that reason and sun to drive out the gin, but also for evil eye. And not just when things go bad, but actually as a preventative measure. So if 
you had a friend or a neighbor who came over and they excessively praised your child. Oh, your daughter is so beautiful. Oh, look how handsome your son is. Mm. Then immediately when the neighbor leaves, your mom would be like, okay, come on, we need to quickly do asfand. And they would take you over, they would put the asfand, and then they would smoke you. And this is to drive out uh, the uh, evil eye or to keep you safe from it. Now, in the Persian tradition, there's a sort of rhyming verse that goes with this, span balaban wa naqshban. In the Arabic tradition, there isn't really a verse. Usually, sometimes people might recite the Quran, uh, or just the smoke is enough to kind of cleanse and purify. And interestingly enough, it is a mild hallucinogen. So it mm-hmm. does have some hallucinogenic components to it, which is why some historians believe it might have been related to the Homa plant and the Avestans and whatnot. So there is this kind of history there of people using it as a hallucinogen, but nowadays it's much more commonly used as a, as in the way smudging is used, to cleanse, to purify, to drive out the evil eye as an apotropaic charm to make sure you don't get hit with the evil eye. Um, and and it's quite fascinating. It's part of the folk cultural people use it, even if they don't practice same magic or they don't have any kind of inclinations towards that. It's just part of the cultural tradition. And many people from Turkey to, to the Middle East to into the Southeast Asia all will use expand in this way with slight variations. For example, reading the seeds or reading the burning of the aluminum foil. That is a far more Persian tradition than it is Arabic. But there is this trans-regional mm. connection. Yeah. And it has to do with where that plant actually grows. Exactly. Well, yeah. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, jump over now to um, Northern Europe. And uh, this is from the book Trolldom, pub, uh, mm. published by Yippie, again, the Ironwood Institution, written by um, Johannes Gardbach. And so... Um, I'm just going to give you um, uh, just a couple of them to give sort of an idea of um, what, you know, what would be used there. Now, we know that nutmegs are not native to Sweden, Norway, or Denmark, but nutmegs were early on made an article of trade. They come from India, and um, they can be grown in other tropical climates. But this is a Swedish formula from the 18th century that uses a nutmeg. So this is how nutmegs entered into trolldom. And it's called the devil and a nutmeg to win love. Strike a nutmeg with your hand or against a table three times in the name of the devil. Now, why would you do it three times in the name of the devil? Usually three times would be Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. But, but this is three times in the name of the devil, the devil, the devil. Right? And scratch a little of it, in other words, scrape it, into wine or beer and let a woman drink it from it and she will love you. So that's a... a a lot of the um, Swedish and um, Norwegian and Danish things, when they say the devil, of course, they're not speaking of the Christian devil. They're speaking of the old uh, Germanic uh, Scandinavian woods devil. It's a, it's a, you know, non. <laughs> it's a, it's a. What do you say? A character who lives at the edges of civilization, or whatever you might say. Uh, now I'm going to read you one more from Sweden, and this is one that uses an apple. Now that we know that apples are used for love all around the world, and be, partly because of the translation of the Bible, the fruit was translated as an apple, although it probably was an apricot. But um, here is one called an apple, male animals, and the devil to have sex. So again, the devil is brought in in Scandinavia with sex and love. Take an apple and throw it under and between the hind legs 
of a ram as he covers a ewe. In other words, while they're screwing, right? While the ram is having sex with a ewe, female sheep. Or, likewise, between the hind legs of a stallion as he mounts a mare. This apple is then struck through with a nail or needle in the name of the devil. The girl you give this apple to will run after you, undoubtedly love you, and thereafter will let you have your way with her. In other words, you can have sex with her. And this is from the Swedish-speaking part of Finland from the 19th century. So, again, we see herbs and, mm. and roots and plants used all around the world, but the apple is again used for love. But it's interesting to me that in both of these kind of abstemious northern climate Lutheran countries... That when you want sex, you have to ask in the name of the devil. You can't out ask in the name of the, the blessed Trinity because not so, not so approved. Okay. How about you? How about next next person? Throw one in. Can I throw one in for rose? Because rose is a universal uh, kind of thing, plant used for love. But in the Middle East, it's used slightly differently. So rose petals are very common in, in love magic of all sorts, uh, very old traditions for uh, using rose to draw in love. But in the Middle East, we also use rose water. And rose water, usually with an added component of rayon, and rayon are sweet basil seeds that are added to the rose water, is used as a marriage rite. Often in replacement, because uh, Muslim countries don't drink champagne, or supposedly don't, um, instead of drinking champagne, they'll drink rose water with the uh, sweet basil seeds. But there's a certain prayer that's done over that, and that is a prayer of joining two people together. So it's not just a celebratory drink. It's actually a sort of magical rite to bind two people together. And rose water is used as a love kind of uh, remedy, if you will, in those situations. It's also used when you have a fight in the house. If there is some type of argument, if there's some type of issue, sweeten rose water, because rose water is very perfumed. Anyone who's ever tried it, it's got a strong taste. It's a bit of an mm-hmm. acquired taste. Some people really love it. Uh, it's kind of good on Persian ice cream. Uh, it's on its own. It's kind of a bit too coy. It's coyly sweet. Mm-hmm. It's a bit too much saccharin. But if you if you use it right, it, it can be nice. So one of the remedies, if you have a house that's now fighting, if a husband and wife are fighting, the wife can take and splash a little bit of rose water from the bottle that she got from the wedding, usually kept in the freezer, refrigerator, etc., she splashes that rose water into her cooking that will restore the marital harmony. So it's a way of reminding mm. the person, of, remember when we got married and remember when mm. we drank rose water together. Wow. So this is splashed on the person or on in the room? On the food, in the food. So any type oh, of oh, food. Oh, okay, splashed in the food. So they, okay. Yeah, just a little bit. You're not supposed to make them drink the entire thing. You just add a couple drops to whatever you're cooking or the tea or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, so that's to remind them of how happy they were when they got married. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's really cool. Well, how about you, Jeremy? Do you have another one from um, any kind of worldwide folk magic that you've got? I do, I do actually. I I, I was uh, actually just entering something in the chat, and I was I was gonna say um, that in, uh, you know one that's often overlooked. We mentioned it before. It's so common, is uh, but it's so strong. Uh, is garlic right? 
and garlic has been used and in, in uh, it entered in, into hoodoo mostly uh, uh, from Europe. And I find it interesting. Again, we're talking about the coronavirus and disease and chasing things out and smudging and cleansing and protection and all of that kind of thing. It's used in hoodoo as as um, to spiritually to cleanse a building, right? Mm-hmm. As, uh, to, as a scrub, right? Uh, to, to cleanse. But it's interesting to me. We we always think of it like as something you would hang around to protect yourself as, from vampires, right? We've all heard that. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. in the Jewish magical tradition, you hang garlic on a doorway, also to prevent demonic attacks. Mm-hmm. So same plant, herb, root, whatever you want to call it. Um, this time it's sort of being used almost as an, I don't want to call it like an amulet, but. Mm-hmm. It is an, uh, yes, it is an amulet. I agree with you. It, um, it's braided. It's often braided. Yes, it's often braided. It's often braided. And then, mm-hmm. but then also when you take it in, if you, if you eat garlic, you know how you get that smell? It comes out your pores. Um, mm-hmm. it, yeah, then it be- also can become protective as a, as an as an odor, and mm-hmm. um, it is a, in the Jewish tradition, magical tradition, garlic is apparently particularly potent when taken on the Sabbath on Fridays. Mm-hmm. It fosters love, but it and it removes jealousy. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I got I got to I got to jump in on this because um uh this is so um so important in understanding Sicilian folk magic. Sicilians are known for keeping a braided garlic. You get one new one every year just the way that um Catholics get their new palm frond every year at Palm Sunday. You get the new garlic right. braid every year, right? And it's hung by the door, usually in by the by the back door, kitchen door. But you use the garlic from that braid. In other words, it's a way of storing garlic, but it's also an amulet. It keeps anything bad from coming in the back door, but you cook with it. You break them out and cook with them. And you start from the bottom up. You just take the cloves off one at a time, one at a time, one at a time. If you get through the whole year and haven't finished them all, you just put in the compost and buy a new garlic braid. But you can buy a short braid, a long braid, depending on how much you cook. And... um, it is a, both an amulet and a talisman, and it's a source of a magical thing to use in cooking. Now, my Sicilian grandmother did this, but she was, as I found out from my uh, DNA testing, she was a Sephardic Jew. There you go. <laughs> so, um, there you go, the connections. I there like you that. go. <laughs> so it's Jewish. But it's Sicilian, but it's North African. She was North, part North African, part um, uh, Sephardic Jew. I mean, you know, anyway, she was Sephardic Jewish, but she came from North Africa. Her family came from North Africa. She was born in Sicily. So, you know, you look at these cultures and how they blend, and there is something straight up. Um, the garlic, I feel like the use of garlic against um, evil, again, like with some of these others, like the Thu Jones and the other things, derives in part from their medicinal value. Garlic is um, an antiviral, antibacterial. It will kill those things. 
and um, eating raw garlic is was you know is recommended if you have any kind of exposure to virus. So is eating raw onions, and they have in them something called bioflavonoids. Mm-hmm. There are the bioflavonoid um, that is called quercetin. I think it's called. It's um it comes in oaks. Quercus, and it's also found in red wine, and it, which also, as you, we just talked about, we're scattered around to, to get rid of demons. Um, and it's also found in raw onions and raw garlic. And um, so, while you're eating your coronavirus canned goods that you ordered in, chop up raw onion. It'll onions can store for months, and so you just buy a couple of those onions, let them sit. Don't let them sit uncovered. Remember the uh, the Talmud, and then chop up those raw onions, and that is actually protective against viruses. <laughs> so there you go. And onions are used as a as a common cure almost universally for uh, colds, for any type of illness. It's either mm-hmm. brewed into a, a tea, like you make an onion, mm-hmm. almost like a broth, if you will. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's really gross, mm-hmm. um, but it's used for, it's an old kind of home remedy for coughs, uh, onion mm-hmm. in the sock. It's a very old folk remedy and you kind of find it everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, um, one of the best um, onion um, chicken soup with onion in it, with hot red pepper, is um, is a real strong uh, killer of colds and um, you know shortens their duration. So strong antiviral. But you know, this is um, then this goes to in hoodoo. Onions are used all of those ways, but they're also used because they're red. And red has a strong component of magical value for luck and goodness in African folk magic. Therefore, the red apple and the red onion are also used in love spells and our our delightfully good friend, uh, Deacon Millet, came up with a recipe that uses both red onions and red apples to make um, a strange kind of sweet soup. And um, it's really good and it's used for love. So there you go. All right. So, um, you know, we can go on. We can find another one. Um, do you have another Jewish one, uh, uh, Jeremy? Oh, uh, hmm. Uh, wine. I'm going to go with wine. 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 Okay. Yes. Wine is another um, extremely – I wrote a lot on wine. It's probably the one of the most commonly used um, – Ingredients it doesn't qualify really as a as a, a root or an herb, um, so uh, forgive the fact that please forgive the fact that's a little off topic. But it is a an ingredient and it has a, a, a ascribed a lot of powers in the Jewish magical traditions. Um, mm-hmm. it's a, it's an aphrodisiac um, uh, that is incomparable. Oh, the bumper music. Okay. Why? It's an aphrodisiac. All right. Okay. Well, that was a wonderful. I mean, we could have gone on for six hours. You know, um, getting three smart people together, with um, you know, each of them from a slightly different background. Well, we could talk about this forever. But we're going to do a reading, and um, and Miss Michael says wine is made of an herb, isn't it? Yes, it is. Big smiley, Miss Michael. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. Um, and uh, and I also want to give out a little shout-out to Yippee, uh, the Ironwood Institution, for providing those books. And um, and Jeremy is working on a book for Yippee on Jewish folk magic. guess that was a plug. All right. Now we're going to bring on our client, and we're going to turn this over to Jeremy. He's going to do our announcements. Well, the lucky uh, mm-hmm. uh, Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour with your host, Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ali, and this week's special guest, me, Dr. Jeremy, will be right back. We'll be taking calls from listeners, answering questions through spiritual divination, and prescribing down-home conjure remedies and remediation. Our, our call-in clients are selected among those who have filled out a short questionnaire at the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.lucky.com. You can listen to the show online through Blog Talk Radio or via telephone by dialing 818 818- Three nine four eight five three five. If you've filled out a client questionnaire at the form, please dial in now to eight one eight three nine four eight five three five and press one and let us know that you're available to be on air. We'll select callers by their area code. So our first caller um, is Lilith, and she is calling from area code two two five. Lilith has never been on the show before. Have you there? Are you there, Lilith? Yes, I'm here. Oh, wonderful! Great. Good to good to good to see you. Good to meet you. Um, I understand uh, that you did or did not. Ha- I'm sorry, I couldn't read it. Did you have a reading on this in the past? No, no, I haven't had a reading on this situation. Okay. Well, you wrote in that you're having a great deal of trouble holding on to money. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Um, I've managed to double my income. Yeah. Yeah, you're fairly good at manifesting the money, but you said that um, you always end up with nothing each month, a little bit of nothing, because something always ends up coming up, which I have to say – just like coronavirus, something unexpected is always coming up. Right. So can you tell us a little bit more about your situation? Um, well, it just always seems that either I'm, I'm making a banking mistake and I spend more than I realize I have, or like like I said, you know, something unexpected comes up and I have to end up spending more than um, than, than I need to. Um and it's been going on for a while, uh, and I've I've doubled my income, but it just seems to go out. Faster it seems to than follow you, in. right? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, um, okay. I'm going to uh, do your reading for you. Now I'm going to ask you just a couple of personal questions. Um, what is your sign of the zodiac? Aquarius. Aquarius. All right. Mm-hmm. And um, about how old are you? Forty-seven. Forty-seven. Okay, so you're not a little girl, and you know kind of what mm. you've been doing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Um, all right, and you you have a job. You are employed, right? No, I'm disabled. Oh, you're disabled. All right, so you're relying on income from government programs or a pension? What yes. Is, how are you... Okay. Yes, SSI um, and SDI, and I also have a friend that helps me out with my rent. All right. 
So that's going to make a difference. Um, yeah, I get that. All right. I'm going to uh, do a little bit of a reading first. Now, usually when a person comes on the show, they have a question, and I didn't really hear a question, and I know you're probably going to look for and want some um, remedies first. Um, so I'm just going to do a real quick reading, not long at all. Um, and number one card is the six of coins uh, right there. And that is a card that says the money is not being distributed fairly to all of those in the world. So this shows a, a wealthy person, uh, could represent a, a merchant, um, could be the government agent, it could be your friend, distributing money to the poor. And the poor are made to kneel on the ground and beg for the money. And this is not a great situation for the poor. Not only that, this merchant is withholding some of the coins. He's supposed to be handing out six. It's the six of coins, but he's only handing out four. And he's holding, can see him held back in his hand. So either he's going to give four to one person and two to the other person, or he's going to just give four for them to share, and he keeps two. So it's an unfair distribution of wealth. And so that is what we would call the situation that prevails. In other words, that is not a curse. That is not anything that blocks you. But you're in a situation whereby you have put yourself in the position, and I don't mean this in a a negative way at all, and I don't mean you wanted to do it, but you have been put in the situation of having to ask because you're disabled. Um, May I ask, what is the nature of your disability? Um, I have bipolar disorder. Oh, bipolar disorder. Okay. Yes, so that would make it more difficult for you to get a job. In other words, if you if you said to me, well, I lost my, my foot due to diabetes, I could say, you know, you might want to just train for a job that you don't need a foot. But when you have bipolar disorder, it's a serious illness, and it does make it very difficult to find and keep a job uh, due to the you know, various restrictions that people have against that disease as far as hiring people. So this is um, a, a difficult situation, and it's not going to get that card is not going to get any better. The next card tells me that you may have to uh, consider... Um, applying for more help. And how you're going to get that is going to be difficult, but there's other programs besides SSI. There are uh, charitable organizations and and there are, um, you know, I'm sure you're, you're doing everything that you can to get the housing that you need and so forth. But this card is a card of, it's called justice. And justice says there is something not quite just going on here, and you might want to apply for more help with those who have some form of um, social responsibility. Both the card of the Six of Coins and the card of Justice show people holding a balance beam scale with gold on it. And in the one case, the distribution is not quite fair, but Justice is much fairer. So I would do some research into organizations that exist to help people um, with mental illnesses or bipolar disorders specifically and see if some more money might not be sprung for you. That's number one. I mean, that's really what I'm seeing here. Um, Justice says that this first card of injustice can be remedied. So all of your prayers and hopes should be for, um, for justice. 
I'm not going to tell you to vote for Bernie Sanders, but I'm going to tell you that if you had, if we'd had Bernie Sanders already, <laughs> you would be in a better situation, because um, this is the kind of thing that in most nations, other than the U.S., these things are taken care of. Well, you're not about to move to Canada, so you're stuck with what we got. But it says work for justice, work for justice for yourself, work for justice for others in the similar circumstance for that you have. And the third card is a card of making things. Even someone with bipolar disorder may be able to make, do, and share things. The card is called the Eight of Pentacles. And it's a card of someone who has some skills, um, doing something. I know that bipolar is fluctuating. That's just, you know, the thing that happens with it. You go up and you go down. And um but when you are in a good place, I think that you might want to consider adding to your income by actually using what talents you have and what gifts you have to make another stream or a third stream because you have a friend, you have the government, but you might want to try a third stream of income. All right, that's all I have to say in my reading. Um, so I'm going to um, turn this over to Jeremy to do a reading. Well, my reading is uh, uh, pretty brief, actually. Um, I'm going to tell you what I did. Uh, recently, I have been working on a little bit of uh, bibliomancy, which is using uh, the word of of the Bible to uh, do divination. And um, what I have come up with, it, I casted lots while, while Miss Cat was talking, and um, through my process, I have an opportunity to um, see which of the biblical verses really pertains to you. And I have landed on Proverbs 30. 8, 30, 30, uh, verse 8. And I want you to keep this in mind. It says, keep falsehood and lie far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Hmm. So when I read that, I, 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 uh, the question that I asked on your behalf was uh, a question, am I go- ever going to achieve a super amount of wealth? And this was, the, this was the answer that I received. So it says to me, you're not go- ever going to become a Bill Gates or a Bezos or a Warren Buffett, but that's okay. You're going to be able to do what you need to do to sustain yourself and lead a happy and conservative life as long as you continue to be uh, righteous and and uh, and devoted and uh, hardworking. So I, I don't think that you have anything to fear. These surprises of life will come and go, but you will always, always make your way through them. You'll always have enough for your daily bread. Okay. Wow, that's a that's an interesting form of um, bibliomancy, and I love that. Miss um, Michael added, "Happy and conservative, thrifty and comfortable." I think that's a that's a very good uh, statement on Miss Michael's part. Um, let's turn this over 
to um, Kondraman Ali and see if there's anything about working to have neither poverty nor riches, but the daily bread, and also, as I said, possibly a way of making things as a third stream of income. Take it away, Ali. Thanks. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to give you some recommendations that, that'll help to ensure that your money comes to you and stays with you. Um, and the trick with money, particularly a situation like yours in which uh, you're getting money, but it's not always enough, and that sometimes it, it you know, goes into act, you know, to pay certain expenses and other stuff, is that you need to develop practice. So more so than any root work, most people think you'd light a candle for money, it shows up, and then you kind of walk away. And that's one way to do it. If you want quick money, fast money, you need luck, you can certainly do it that way. But to ensure that money is stable, because money is probably the most quixotic force in our social system, right? It is fluctuating. It's mercurial. It's kind of all over the place. And so you need money to work for you, and you need money to be stable. And so I always tell clients to develop a money practice something that can help them, you know, develop uh, a safety net, something that can help them keep the money uh, at bay. So here's what I want you to do. There's three okay. parts to this working. The first is I want you to get a dollar. And on this dollar, I want you to write, uh, uh, you know, a, a letter to God. Dear God, I ask that money flow into my house, but that poverty stay far, far away, that I am never short of cash, never short on my needs. Really put your heart into this. You're going to pick, okay. put a pinch of alkanet and alfalfa. Alkanet and alfalfa are great. People have heard me say it on the radio show over and over again. They are the kind of go-to to keep poverty away, to keep jinxes away, to keep your money safe. You're going to put a pinch of this, and then you're going to fold that dollar. Fold it as small as you can. Then I want you to get a gator claw. You can get these directly from Lucky Mojo, and you're going to kind of work this uh, folded thing or into the gator claw. They're not easy to work because they're, they're, they're you know, kind of small, but it's okay. You're going to use a red string to the best of your ability. You're going to tie that folded dollar into the gator claw. You're going to fold that, uh, tie that folded money into the hand. It's going to take a bit of dexterity, but you can do it. You're going to fold, tie it in there, make it nice and tight so it doesn't fall out. Anoint this with money, stay with me, oil, and bury it in a potted plant in the home. Now, do not let that plant die. Water it properly. My recommendation is to get a very easy plant. It could be anything. Fern is a very common one. But you can really kind of get anything uh, you want. Just be careful that you keep it alive. So long as that plant is alive, it will be a guardian over your money. It will keep it safe. It will ensure that you never reach below, you know, a certain level. It will keep you from what I call the overdraft zone, right? Okay. Spend, 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 but you'll never quite go into that overdraft. That's what this will do. This is the protective component. Next, what I want you to do is every month, every first Sunday of the month, I want you to get five-finger grass, some cinnamon chips, some baby trips, and sprinkle this on charcoal that you have lit and recite Psalm 23. This is a prayer to bring in money. This is to keep the flow of money coming in, and you're going to do it monthly, a regular practice. Just as you water the plant regularly in order to keep it alive, so too will you burn this incense. We're working here with something earthy, and we're working with something airy here in order to tap into that Aquarius energy of yours. So this is going to help to ensure that the money flows in 
from wherever it's coming, but it's always coming, but there's a steady flow. This is a, this is a powerful way of working. It ensures that money will come to you. It's mercurial, so it does help with that flow component. Then the third thing that I, that I recommend for you, and this is something that Miss Cat has said on the radio show several times. It's a very old-timey working. Once you develop some type of separate income, and that's going to be on you to kind of figure out whether it's a, a separate stream of income because you're selling certain uh, products or your certain handmade goods or something, you're going to take a bit of that profit that comes in and you're going to put it in the Bible every month. You're going to put it every, some people say every seven pages. Some people say you start on Psalm 23 and then you go forward from there. There's a variety of different ways that you're going to do it. But you're going to take as much as you can. Maybe it's only $5 a month. Maybe it's only $20 a month. I was taught $20 a month. You put in there and you keep it going for as long as you can. Um, another person said as much as you have. If you only have $5 that month, you put $5. You only have $10, you put $10. And you don't touch this. You keep this on the same place that you light your incense on. You put this Bible in the exact same space that you regularly burn that incense. And you keep it there until you really, really need it. And this will be your backup reserve. This will be the money that you build steadily over time that can help to create a sort of spiritual and social uh, safety net for you. This is my recommendation of three-part working that will ensure some type of protection working from your money, some type of drawing work for your money, and some type of saving work for your money. Uh, let's see if Dr. Jeremy Weiss and Ms. Kat have anything further to add. Well, I want to add one thing about that about that last spell. And this is a famous old spell, and it always works, mm. never failing. Um, there are many ways to do it, as he said. I'll just give you my way. Put, put the money in, in the Bible, start at Psalms 23, skip seven pages. I was told skip seven days, and even if it's only a dollar. He said once a month, that's fine. That's the only difference I would do is I do it um, every seven days, seven pages. And then when the Bible is full, uh, start again at the beginning of the Bible. If you didn't need that money from that Bible, just take a string and tie that Bible closed and go get another Bible. You can get Bibles almost for free anywhere. Um, go down to the Goodwill or uh, St. Vincent de Paul or Thrift Store, Salvation Army, they'll have Bibles. Um, if you can fill that Bible up, it's good. But when, when you um, do it, what you're doing is asking God to hold your money for you. And even if it's only a dollar and you put in a dollar at every seventh page of the Bible, you'll have some money. And put that Bible away. But if it's 20s and 5s and 10s all mixed together, that's even better. When you have that money, you can take it out when you need it. But I would then okay. you can open that whole Bible and there's your money. right? So um, God holds the money for you, people say, you see. So um, that's what I would, what I would recommend um, as a sort of an extra... Um, uh, addition to that. Everything else that um, Ollie said is, is so good. I mean, he's just really knows what he's doing and, um, and does, does the old style work, you know, it's just really, really good. Okay. Okay. Um, All right. I don't see that. Thank you. Yeah. I don't see that you're cursed in any way. I don't see you're held back in any way. Just start what he called a money practice, something that you're going to be doing continually. Okay, there's our music. So we're going to turn this over, I believe, to our network schedule announcement. 
LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ollie, Sundays, 3 to 4.30. The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays, 5 to 6. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix LeFay, Fridays, 1 to 2. And Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse, Fridays, 7 to 8. All time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. And now it's time. <laughs> well, thank you, Miss Cat and Conjurman Ali, and thank me, Jeremy, Dr. Jeremy Weiss of Seattle, Washington, for being our guest this week. Is this the announcement that I'm supposed to be reading? No, you're now you're just supposed to say, and now it's time for our free spell from our guest, Dr. Jeremy Weiss. <laughs> and now it's time I, for our free spell. And before uh, we go to that free spell, before we go, I just got to say. Papa Newt, who has been our announcer for years and years and years, and last week was his last time, and we bid him a sad, fond farewell with great love. He's been lurking in the chat room posting stuff, and I just have to say thank you so much, Papa Newt. He's he's probably twitching and twirling as all of this is going on. All right, take it away, Jeremy. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, well, uh, I... I I put in the chat uh, three different uh, free spells, and um, I I decided that uh, because uh, we've been talking so much about, you know, the topic of the day, coronavirus, um, it it would just uh, uh, simply be easier to combine uh, a few topics uh, together. Um, The first, uh, these are about protection from uh, uh, contaminations and, and demons, uh, and uh, some of them do involve uh, herbs and roots. The first most common one, I think I told you not to let, uh, that, that we don't, uh, in the Jewish magical tradition, we don't leave uh, edibles out overnight, and we try to cover our liquids, but any type of liquid that you left uncovered what you can do is you strike the vessel before drinking it in order to accidentally consume the bat malice or gin or, or the demon of contamination that has entered your drink. So we often strike uh, the side of uh, the glass before, before drinking it, if it's been uh, left out. Um, I just got to jump in. I got to jump in. I got to jump in. This is so crazy. See, you're such a scholar of this stuff. My uh, grandfather, Teo Erlinger, would always tap the side of the glass with his fingernail. Bing! Mm. And I said, why do you do that? And he goes, it makes the air bubbles rise in the glass. That was what he said. Right, and you'll also, I mean, at a wedding, but you'll no, no, right he would, before the he toast. Won't, he wouldn't say, he wouldn't say, oh, it's to keep out bat mouth or, you know, evil, evil, evil. Just bang. Oh, it just makes the air bubbles rise. It's okay. We just do that every time. <laughs> yeah, every time. Uh, well, but it's it's like clinking your glasses uh, for a toast and making noise, I think, to drive some of the demons away. Um mm-hmm. 
we already spoke about garlic, so that was one that I included as a free spell. But here's another interesting well, uh, way um, uh, of decontaminating uh, water from, from uh, demonic contaminants is suspending iron in, in water, suspending an iron nail in water. Mm-hmm. That is a, is, a, is a very Jewish magical uh, formula. Suspending iron in water. See, that reminds me a little bit of Mars water or iron water, um, which is was always used for a health uh, drink. You know, back in the old days. Um, Yeah. That's amazing. Wow. Um, So these are, um, you know, um, these are also water by the side of the bed that's used for protection. Or yeah. put on a, um, a an altar, a Veda all type altar, or used for in a spiritualist church, um, and um, uh, the clinking of the glasses, you know, the toast, which is, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the toast. That's just amazing that these things actually come out of a magical uh, phenomenon, but we don't um, mm-hmm. we don't think, think about of it. them. We don't think of them as magic. Yeah, it also yeah. reminds me of the breathing prayers into water. So there's the yes. removal, right? Like you're removing the evil, but there's also the putting the good back in. Uh, so like people will use water in that way, where they take a glass, and particularly in Jewish, uh, Mediterranean, Middle Eastern folk magic, and you pray and then pray into the water, and that's a healing uh, water that they can then be drunk. Mm-hmm. Wow. So yeah, this is a. Um, um, you know, it's interesting, too, because the most – I'm thinking of my grandfather, of course, and, and what people would always say was, you know, salute, which means to your health, right, when they clink the glass. Right. Right? Isn't that funny? It's just like there's really something there. It's more well, than just – Well, all the clinking of the glasses is to make the noise, yeah, drive mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. the – all everybody out, all the demons out. Yeah, or when you toast, when you toast, lachaim to life, uh-huh. right? Right. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. See, and I just think these are things when you live inside a culture, mm-hmm. you don't see it. When I, I want to say something here, as a young Jewish girl looking at black culture, I'd say, "Oh my gosh, look at that! Look at that! Look at that!" And black people would say, "Well, we just do that." And I say, "No, no, but mm-hmm. this, but this, this is so cool." Now you're coming to me about my own culture, Jewish culture, and I'm going, oh, my God, <laughs> I didn't even know that that's why it was being done. That's wonderful. That's really interesting. And I'm, thank you. <laughs> I do love this part of folklore. This is, this is the type of stuff that I live for right here. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. You know, he, I, he, he, he brings this part, this, this thing up, uh, Dr. Jeremy Weiss, Brilliant Scholarship, and immediately clicks. It resonates with you, right? That lived mm-hmm. component of folklore is, is, is what, makes, what makes all this so fun. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's really, that's really great. So um, I, I'm going to ask um, if you know of any similar ones, Ali, in this style. Yeah, there is some in in uh, Middle Eastern culture in particular. Uh, generally, the water by the bedside is a is a common one, um, mm-hmm. and we don't we don't clink it, but we do note the bubbles, and that's an indication mm-hmm. ah something has been caught here. Uh, it's acted as a sort of filter, um, but also like I mentioned earlier, prayer in the water is also 
a very common one. Again, probably drawing from the broader Mediterranean, late antique Jewish practices, um, Muslims do something known as ruqya, which is a form of healing in which chronic verses are recited and then breathed into the water and then drunk. Or, and you, you'll recognize this immediately, chronic verses are written out in edible ink on uh, plates and then washed into the water to drink. Wow. That's right. That's right. Yep. Uh, drinking prayers. And that is common in... in um, in Jewish, in, in yep. uh, Muslim, and it's also found in Hoodoo, probably from yep. influences from Muslim and Jewish sources, not probably from Northern European Christian sources, yep. drinking prayers. Um, all right, well, there's our music, and um, I'm going to say again thank you to Papa Newt for showing up in the chat. Um, he just explained why coronavirus, his uh, thing that he was supposed to be at, um, got canceled. All right. Now we're going to let Jeremy take it away with our outro, and then we'll all come back and say goodbye. <laughs> well, uh, thank all, uh, thank you all listeners for putting up with my muddling through as both the guest and the announcer this week. Um Next week, we will invite you to listen in where our special guest uh, from the Association of Independent Readers and Workers will be William Stickevers from Las Vegas, Nevada on astrology, COVID-19, and market meltdown. Um, once again, we come to another Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Boot Work Hour brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California. And you can find Miss Cat via the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and Conjurman Ali at theconjurman.com in Mission Viejo, California. I'm your announcer, Dr. Jeremy, joining you from COVID Central in Seattle, Washington. The Lucky Mojo Voodoo Root Work Hour can be heard live every week on Blog Talk Radio at 3 p.m. Pacific. 6 p.m. Eastern, and the shows are always available in the archive via luckymojo.com slash radioshow.html. From all of us at Lucky Mojo, I'd like to thank you for being here, and we invite you to tune in once again next week at the same time when you will hear the familiar strains of the Memphis Jug Band playing the Jug Band Waltz. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, Jeremy. Dr. Jeremy White. Um, he did okay. We made it. Yeah, yeah. All right. And um and thank you, Papa New, for kind of shepherding us through that. Uh oh, you got the music up too loud, honey. Turn that money down music down, thank you. Not that down. Somewhere in between. Can't hear it at all now. It's that was bad. <laughs> Can you come back? I didn't do it. I didn't do it either. I wanna give a shout out to um uh, Miss Michael, Miss Athena, Tony I, and um, Justin Sanders, Dr. Sweets, and Angela L., Kali Mojo Girl, and others who were in the chat. Um, our music has completely disappeared. have no idea what's going on. But um, good night, all. Good night. Good night. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.